Our scripture passage for this morning is Acts chapter 11, verse 1 through 30. And our message today is entitled, The Church Expands. Let us listen to the reading of his word. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some, some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and the great number who, number who believed turned to the Lord. Then report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Paul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch the disciples were called Christians. Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. 
So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. May the Lord bless us in the reading of his holy word. Good morning, everyone. Let's say good morning to each other once again, just to the people left of you, right of you, behind you. A great privilege to worship the Lord together. To be able to sing songs to Him that encourages the soul. To hear words that at times that we ourselves cannot articulate. But when we sing them, we can say to ourselves and say to the, to the Lord Himself, Amen. God in, indeed is great. God indeed is our friend. God indeed will never leave us. We come together, some of us, all spry and awake. We've got a good night's sleep. And like I said, some of you who are parents, you've been up since like 5.30 in the morning or even earlier. But God knows. And God is simply pleased with our obedience unto him. We do not have to be perfect in our, in our, in our hearts or are perfect or awake fully in our minds. God knows. And in our little acts of obedience, God is faithful to do great things. And the greatest thing that he can do in all of us is to show us once again that we are greatly loved by him. Praise be to God, our Father. Praise be to Jesus, our Savior. And praise be to the Holy Spirit that dwells in each and every one of us. As we proceed through the book of Acts, we see that the church is growing. It's expanding very quickly. And as it grows very quickly, the question needs to be raised. Who is going to govern these people? Who is going to lead these people? Who is going to teach these people the gospel? And the second question is how is the culture of the day going to receive this good news that all must repent and believe in the Lord? In our day today, we like to privatize our faith. We think of our faith in Jesus simply, be, simply being something that's between me and the Lord. And that everything that happens around us is secondary or tertiary. That I need to simply get my own act together. That the purpose of the church is to help me, myself, to grow in my faith. And that the questions of the day, the questions of the culture, are not, those quest are not questions that I need to deal with. Now let me, get to, let, me, let me put this straight. It is important that each and every one of you have met the Lord Jesus face to face. Peter himself had to confess Jesus, you are the Lord, 
And Jesus says to him, you are correct. Paul himself, on the road to Damascus, had to meet the Savior face to face, that he may declare that Jesus is the one he was persecuting, and that Jesus is the one who could save him. For each and every one of us, we must come before the Lord face to face to meet him and to acknowledge him. And as we see in the book of Acts, to repent of our sins and to believe. But it'll be a fallacy to think that from there simply arises a faith that's between me and God and no one else. It's a fallacy to think that God and Jesus is simply your guru who's there to help you and you alone. The Holy Spirit is not simply your therapist who's trying to help you. The Holy Spirit that comes in you is the same Spirit that sends you out. We cannot know God, or we cannot say we know God, if we do not have the compulsion to share the good news with those that are around us. And if we squash that, then we squash our own faith to our own detriment. And we squash the witness of the church as well. But here's the thing. Once we allow the Holy Spirit and His power to go forth, once we start to say, this church belongs to me, and I need to love everyone in this church. Once we start to say that our church is one church of many, and we need to love all the other churches. And once we start to say that the church is a global phenomenon, that the Holy Spirit is working everywhere. Well, life sometimes looks like it gets complicated, doesn't it? And for many of us, that complication is sometimes not worth the trouble. But God commands us. And God demonstrates to us that without the expansion of the kingdom and without our participation, without our participation in that expansion, our own faith will start to deteriorate. Our own faith will start to implode. In fact, what really happens is our own faith becomes defined by our own needs, wants, and desires. And so in the book of Acts, we see Paul and Peter and Barnabas, Agabus. We've seen Philip and other apostles as they go out and spread the gospel of Christ, things get complicated. But within that complication is the greater glory of seeing God being made manifest in thousands of people coming to know the Lord. We as God's people need to desire 
and be content in living in the maelstrom that is conjured up when the gospel goes forth. We need to be able to help one another and to urge one another in the faith and to allow God's spirit to reign. Let's look here at what's happening. As you heard me um, speaking with the children, the gospel started in Jerusalem, went to Judea, Samaria. Now it's starting to go out to all the known earth. And the theological question that we, we touched upon last week, it's the same theological question we'll see throughout the book of Acts. Are the Gentiles saved? Are the non-Jewish people saved? And if, and if so, how? In Jerusalem, there are a bunch of people called the, the circumcised, or we can call them Judaizers. In other words, we need to make people Jews before they become Christians. They need to become circumcised before they can become baptized. And Peter himself, who knew the gospel, well, he was influenced by these people. Peter was a great man. But he was a great man because of God's spirit that lived in him. But he was a flawed man. In fact, if he was living the way he lived, like if he actually continued to believe what he believed about becoming a Jew before becoming a Christian, we would probably defrock him and strip him of his credentials. But God was merciful. Because as Peter was trying to figure things out, God provided Paul. Paul was a Jew of Jews. But for some reason, by God's grace and his mercy, he understood the fullness of the gospel. That you did not have to become a Jew first to become a believer in the Lord. All you need to do was repent and believe. And here is Paul. Here is Peter. They all believe the same thing, but the way it's played out in their lives is very different. And they clash together. And there is friction between them. Paul, who is reasonable, who, who understands. Peter is a little bit more impulsive. Paul, who is sort of living out the, the ideal that the Gentiles need to hear the gospel clearly and plainly. And Peter has been influenced by the, the, the circumcised group who, who, who actually thinks that maybe they need to become um, Jews before they, bec before, before they become Christians. And God uses that friction in order to do what? Not only to convince Peter, but to convince the five people who went to visit Cornelius and then when they came back to, to convince the, those in Jerusalem that the same spirit that came upon them at Pentecost is the same spirit that came upon Cornelius and his household. So what barrier should we, should we set for, for the Gentiles to come to know? No barrier. But to grow as a believer, to grow as a people of Christ, 
These types of conversations always need to happen, and it's happened from the very beginning. And these types of conversations might be difficult at times, but these conversations must continue to happen because the purity of the gospel is at stake. Last week, I, we, I touched a little bit upon sort of how we as believers, when we talk to people who do not know God, we have in our head this perception that some people are closer to God than others. People who are morally upright, that they are closer to God than those who are, well, in the world's eyes, morally depraved. But we are setting up ourselves a criteria of what it means of, of who we will share the gospel with or who we believe is closer to the Lord. Whereas we know the gospel says there is nothing that can save us. Our good works can't save us. We are to share the gospel with everyone. Those who are morally upright are no closer to salvation than those who are not, not morally upright. And our duty as God's people is to simply share declare the good news of the Lord. Now, I might be up here as your pastor trying to guide us in what I believe Scripture is teaching us the gospel is. But we need to do that with one another, always correcting, always encouraging, always in the end when we are corrected, just like in this passage to say, you're right, God himself will be glorified in this. Praise be to our God. You know, do you know how conspiracy theories happen? Do you know how heresy happens? It's that one guy on the corner that you see speaking nonsense and you just pass them by and you go he's just foolish but that one person who speaks nonsense will find two or three other people who believe that nonsense and those three people who hear that nonsense will convince other people about that nonsense and before you know it there's a group of people who believe something that seems very nonsensical This happens in the church as well. To correct one another, to make sure we don't stray off the path, we allow the gospel to bring us back always. Second, God provides different people with different gifts, different perspectives to help us bring us back to the one truth foundation that Jesus Christ has died for our sins and Jesus Christ has resurrected from the dead. There will be Peters here amongst us, amongst us, amongst us, who just love, love to cause trouble in a good way. They love to share the gospel with people. They seem to have people around them who are either repelled by them because of the gospel 
or they have the best conversations of the gospel because they're always talking about the gospel. You have other people, and perhaps you're more like a Paul. You're more cerebral. You want to defend the faith. You want to talk about the faith. You still share the gospel, but you tend to be a little bit more winsome. Perhaps you're like Barnabas, that you're the peacemaker, that you see two different people who have two different gifts. They love the same gospel, but there's friction between the two. Perhaps you're the peacemaker and say, let me show you that you guys are all on the same side. And to show that the gospel in Jesus is glorified amongst us. This church is filled with people with different gifts and different abilities. We share the same gospel, but we have different perspectives of how gospel is played out. And when we're able to share that together, we get a more multifaceted view of the perfection of God himself. And in this church, has sister churches that are out there that have different gifts and different abilities in our presbytery or denomination. And our denomination is part of a, a greater witness of God. And when we see the church in South America, in Asia, in Africa, and we see that their perspective gives us even the greater perspective of the multifaceted nature and beauty of the truth that Jesus saves sinners, we rejoice even more. And so it's, it's in this community of believers as God grows us that we see the glory of God in its bigness, in its majesty, in its awesome power. You can't get that if you worship God by yourself in a corner or if you worship God simply to fulfill your own desires. In fact, brothers and sisters, the Spirit won't allow that to happen. In fact, if you are living like that right now, you are already dealing with the consequences of that. Your faith isn't as robust. You believe the lies that are coming into your heart. You actually believe that you need, to be, you need to be fulfilled more than God's glory needs to be manifested. And what happens is that God will eventually reel you back. It's not about you. It's about us. It's not only about us. It's about God. And when we worship Him, is when we ourselves feel the most satisfied. The church is imperfect, but Jesus loves the church. The church will have its issues, but the Spirit is there to bring us back to the gospel. God knows each and every one of your individual issues and problems, and He'll help you with them. But let's look at the greater thing that God is doing in his church, in, his, in history. That he himself and what he is doing 
may be our great joy. As we go through the book of Acts and you see everything that's happening, you might think, this is way too much for one person. You're absolutely right. You might say, wow, this church, the church is getting out of hand. It's, it, it, it looks like it's going to be a mess. You're right. But God has a way of making sure his kingdom continues. And God provides. He provides the people. He provides his spirit. His word will go forth, brothers and sisters. Let us join together with God that we may reap the benefits of seeing his, the expansion of his kingdom for his glory. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in all things. There's no one like you. Father, we confess, Lord God, that at times we see Christianity as sort of an individualistic um, faith, Lord God. Or at the very best, just the faith that we share amongst people that we enjoy or that we get along with. But Lord, your glory, your kingdom is a lot bigger than that, Lord God. In fact, we acknowledge, Lord, that there will be friction amongst believers in Christ because we're all still sinners. But yet you provide for us through your spirit and your word. You provide for us the channel by which we need to, to walk through, Lord God, this channel of the gospel, this channel that Jesus alone saves, this channel that, that says that only God and God alone belongs all the glory, Lord. And Father, help us as a church together to recognize that, to see in one another, Lord, the gospel, and to see in one another, Lord, a different facet of your grace and your glory. And we pray, Lord, that you would gather these up together here at CCPC, Lord, that we may indeed be a pure and loving example of what it means to be loved by you. We thank you, and in Christ's name we pray, amen.